listening to Keeping It Real with Janine. Thank you for stopping by. I'm Janine, and today is going to be an inspiring and fun conversation with Janet Bray Atwood. And I think I can pretty much guarantee that. I'm pretty sure we all want to spend most of our time doing the things we enjoy. Janet is here to talk about how to create a passionate life, how to love yourself. I know that Janet walks her talk, and she's an inspiration to all of us who want a happier, more fulfilling life. A Gallup survey from 2014 shows that only 30% of Americans are engaged in their jobs. It's even worse in Western Europe and Japan. Unhappiness in work or love, dissatisfaction around money or body weight, it all contributes to the number of people just going through the motions, not really living life to the fullest. The Passion Test was created by Chris and Janet Atwood to turn these global passion statistics upside down. Hi, Janet. Thank Hi. you so much for the time to be on. I know you're so busy. I'm so glad you're on the podcast. Thank you. You're welcome. It's so sweet to be with you. I know. <laughs> Full disclosure, Janet and I had a lovely connection many years ago, and I was so excited about reconnecting with her. Yeah, and it's true. I feel like you're me. You know, there's a, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at a mirror when I'm talking to you, Janine. It's really interesting. Well, I take that as an immense compliment. Thank you. <laughs> You're, but I'm cuter. You know that, right? Okay. Oh, well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I think we both kind of have the cute thing down. That's, yeah. that's part of our shtick. <laughs> right, right. So uh, this is really exciting because I, you know, and I was looking on your website, you've co-authored 10 books. I, I find that quite prolific. And I know you're um, in the process of writing another book. That's it. Yeah, I am. I'm actually writing a book for Japan. And um, that's why I'm in, I'm in Thailand right now. So uh -huh. yeah, yeah. The publishers in Japan have asked me to, I, ha I have a book already in Japan. So or two of them out, out now. So yeah, I'm really excited. I love writing. So it's really neat. I'm looking out my window at beautiful Kofungan and um, this beautiful island in Thailand. So neat place to write. Oh, nice, nice. Thank you for giving us a little, uh, a little scenario so we can somewhat picture where you are. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get into um, self-love and the passion test and living a, a passionate, fulfilling life. But I always like to start with, you know, your story. Where did you grow up? Maybe a little bit about your family. How did you, how did you become interested in, in living a passionate life? Were you always passionate about your life? Well, truly, actually, I was. I mean, actually, you know, I think in school they called it enthusiastic or enthusiasm. Mm. On, on the report card, there was the word in the United States, enthusiasm. I was, I'm a valley girl and brought up in the San Fernando Valley uh, in California. And uh, at our schools, we had, you know, different grades. And one of the grades that we'd get it for is enthusiasm. And I always got high marks in enthusiasm. I'd say that's probably passion mm -hmm. you know, from, mm -hmm. from how they were looking at it because I was all, I, I, I came into the world really excited. I came into the world really, you know, just like, yay, let's go. It wasn't always let's go. When I was uh, really young, I had a really cool life. My mother and I had a super great relationship and um, I have a brother who's two years older, a sister who's five years older, and my dad. 
it was a really neat, wonderful home life. We'd always sing all the way to the beach and sing all the way back. And then when I was seven, my mom, who was my best friend, and we had such a good relationship, my brother and sister were actually jealous of us, um, became an alcoholic. And I mean, not just an alcoholic, but like a raging alcoholic. And I was so close to her, I thought, oh my God, I did this. What did I do? How did this happen? Because I was only seven, right? And um, that was when my world cracked. And it really seriously took a real massive toll on my self-esteem, my self-worth. My dad um, moved out of the house. He took my brother and sister. I wouldn't go. I absolutely refused to leave my mom alone. But then my mom wouldn't come home some nights until like 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock at night. And I was as afraid of the dark as it was. So it was just oh. terrifying for me. So that, that put a lot of stuff in the little Janet's physiology, mm -hmm. right, that I've been working on and working on. And that's, I, I would really say that's why I've been into the work of transformation for so many years because... I, and I, I didn't start out thinking, gosh, I want to I wanna put something out for the rest of the world. I'm here to save everybody. It, <laughs> honestly, it was about getting myself out of the hell that I felt I was in. And mm -hmm. then when I realized that the different tools that I started gathering and um, I, I, I would say cognizing, you know, thinking about and figuring out how would I do this to, to create this? How would I change my neural pathways that are, you know, not working for me to ones that are? I, I really look at those as a gift from God. You know, I was walking along one day and the universe said, we got to give her something, right? And <laughs> kaboom. So, and, uh, and, and, and it just started to work and I realized, oh my gosh, you know, maybe I ought to share this, share this stuff with a few people. And here I am. What is this now? I'm going into my 25th year. I travel like a crazy woman, as you know, mm -hmm. I, I've just um, finished my tour of Japan, China and Thailand and Europe in a month. I'll start all over again doing that. Wow. As a, and as a matter of fact, I think I, I have a home on the beach in Denmark, and then I've got two apartments in the mountains in Lago Maggiore, Italy. And if mm. I spend two months a year at either of them, that is a major coup because of, wow. of the calling that, you know, that, that is out there for the knowledge that of, of living a passionate life and really understanding what self-love is. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's amazing. You know, when, when you were talking about your mom and, and how you blamed yourself, I, I thought, wow, that's not surprising because I know so often when parents divorce, the children blame themselves. I never thought of it in the terms of, of what you're talking about here with, with alcoholism, but it, it makes sense. Yeah, I totally did. And then, you know, after my father found out that I was hanging, you know, I was in this house all by myself, he came and forced mm. me to move. And, uh, and then it was even worse. It went downhill because he married this woman that I call my stepmother from hell. But we, we reconciliated at the end of her life, which is really cool. But at the time, she was really intense and did not like me. I, I, and I remember at 12 years old, I, I wet the bed. I was so nervous and so anxious and so uptight. I wet the bed until I was 12 years old. And oh I used to hide my sheets under my bed because my stepmother would go crazy. 
And I, I remember when our war really started, it was, um, I was in my, I was in my library. I'd never been popular at school. Never, never, never. I was a weird kid who did weird things. And then my parent, my stepmom and my dad moved to another city and I got a second chance. And I started, I, for some reason, it must've been a good astrology period. Um, I started getting all these friends and the most popular boy in school was my boyfriend. The most popular girl was my girlfriend. I thought I died and went to heaven. And one day <laughs> we were all in my um, library together and my stepmother comes running in holding one of my sheets. Oh no. That oh, I had God. hid under my bed and started screaming at the top of her lungs and holding the sheet up. And that was another one of those defining moments, right? And it mm. was like my heart crack, end of boyfriend, end of girlfriend, and beginning again of being a little pariah. So I had a really tough time, and that went on until. You know, my decisions and my choices that I made were choices that you make when you don't love yourself, when you don't know who you are. And when I was 17, I had moved out of my house. I was living with my girlfriend, Jeannie, in Hollywood. And I had a crush on my brother's two best friends. And one night they came over and I, all I wanted to do was impress them. I mean, I was like, whatever they wanted, it was a yes. And mm -hmm. that was right when the drug days started, right? Mm -hmm. They said, hey, you wanna try this little pill? And of course I said yes, I would have tried anything because it was them and I, I wanted to please them and I just would do anything to get them to love me. Sure. And then the next morning I woke up and my whole life was different. And another one of those, wham, kaboom, you know, major, major intense experiences where it was like, oh my God, did that really happen? My brother's best friends did that to me. And so I had a lot. It's like no mistake that I really went for this uh, transformational world the way I did with full, you know, full on, yeah, let's go because I had so much stuff. And, and I saw it, I felt it, I saw it in my relationships, I saw it in my lack of success in my life. It was just following me everywhere I went. So there you have it, a little fast forward on the Janet's life. Wow, thank you so much for sharing that because I'm sure there are plenty of people that can relate. You know, it, it's hard when you see someone, I think, uh, when you're not doing well and you see someone who's successful doing what they love, I think it's easy to think, oh, they've always been successful. They've had a great life. Of course they do well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and for all of you that do that, you know, just note that when you compare, you die. That's a beautiful Byron Katie quote, who has a process of self-inquiry mm -hmm. I use. It wasn't always that way, gang. And let me tell you, nobody can do your work for you. And that's what I tell all of my students all over the world. I have incredible tools. I have incredible processes. I have great knowledge that I've, you know, that I've used for my own life that have really helped to lift me out of that place and help me to realize that every moment, and I really truly mean this, every moment, no matter what, is there to serve me. But it wasn't easy, and nobody said it has to be easy. It's not. You know, you have to just like go. I've, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm done being a victim. I'm going to take full responsibility for what is going on in my life, and 
I'm not going to put my attention on what I don't want to create. I'm going to keep my attention or, what, or how lousy my life's been. I'm going to put my attention on what is it that I choose to create in my life. And so this is what I had to do. And from doing that and, and meditating since I was like, I, I learned transcendental meditation when I was 20 and the passion test, you know, getting really clear on what I was passionate about and doing the work of Byron Katie and doing all my limiting beliefs of I'm not good enough, bright enough, rich enough, you know, everybody else has a better life than me, blah, 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 blah. It really works. It works. And it's not overnight, but I got to tell you, it starts immediately and it's way better immediately than whatever place you're in now if you're living that victim world and thinking that people are doing things to you. Mm -hmm. Well, and as I've said often on this podcast, if you're a victim, you have no control. You can't change anything because it's always outside of you. Once you take responsibility, then you can start to look at your life and you can start to make change and, and take control and do things to create a happier, more fulfilling life. But if the reason why you were where you're at is always about other things and other people and, and everything outside of you, there's nothing you can work with there. Yeah, absolutely. I was just telling this, um, I was speaking in Japan at a conference and I was just telling everyone there that, you know, you guys, it's so, it's, it's really about just um, saying, okay, I can do this and, and just starting, you just have to start. Right. Mm -hmm. And one of the, one of the things that I'm doing these days, I'm known as the passion queen all over the world because of the passion <laughs> test, which is, as you know, a process to help mm -hmm. people get clear on the things that matter most to them, their passions. And yet in the last few years, I started to notice that there were a lot of people living a passionate life that still weren't happy. And I thought, what the heck is that? And I realized, well, they didn't have self-love. And so now that's, that's pretty much my new theme that I still deliver the passion test wherever I go because it's a tool for self-love. But I'm really now focused on training people. I, I have a new program called Mastery of Self-Love Certification where I train people in a four-day program. First, they immerse themselves in how do they become the teacher living the teaching in terms of self-love. And then I give them whatever tools and tips and exercises they need so that they can go out and do a three-hour workshop and help others transform their lives as well. And one of the techniques that I use, and I, I thought it would be great, instead of just talking, we could actually give everybody a little something to do if, um, you know that's that okay? that's you know that's funny because I forgot to talk about that with you beforehand. But I do like to give people some tools, something they could like a takeaway, something that they can use in their life right now to help. So yes, thank you. See, we are mirrors of you. Absolutely. Other. So great. So <laughs> this this process um, is called your inner critic. I want all of us, and just for a minute, and I don't like to go to the negatives, but you know, in order to have self-love, we have to first look at the, the areas where aren't I loving myself? And, you know, I, I want to ask everyone listening in quiet moments when no one is looking, do you find yourself judging, you know, self-judging your a lot, you know, cursing, irritable, because 
you feel like, God, I've let myself down. You, you know, you feel disappointed in yourself or do you feel, wake up feeling like uh, angry at yourself and depressed because of the decisions you've made and worry about your day and fear? And does it leave you feeling contracted and irritated? And mm -hmm. the, other, the other thing that I see in people with a lack of self-love, which I was the queen of, God, I was so into making everybody love me and motive generated. I, ask, I want to ask all of you listening, do you find yourself quietly saying yes a lot to others to keep them happy? And do you do that without thinking of the consequences to your life, to your health, to your heart, you know, to you and what you need? And so I want to ask all of you, what motivates? What do you think motivates you to do this? And I, I know you're going to find that it's to please others because you're freaked out to let them down you're, because you want them so much to appreciate, admire, or love you or all of the above. Mm -hmm. And notice if you're attracted to hanging out with people who keep you stuck and, you know, one kind of persona, they always say, oh, you're that way. Oh, you're that way. You, but you've been working on it for a long time and you're not that way anymore. But you're waiting for permission to be able to shed that persona. And I, I want us all just um, in these few moments together to take an honest look at ourselves from the inside out. And we're not going to like everything we see yet. This is why you're here. Hopefully, you know, to change the inner landscape of your thoughts and feelings. And one of the reasons being on Janine's podcast, to find a greater love. And mm -hmm. so what I want you to do right now is imagine what your life would be like without your desire for other people's love, appreciation, and approval. Imagine, I'm going to say that again, what your life would be like without your desire for others you know, appreciation, love, and approval. What would it be like to learn how to handle and replace the voice of your inner critic, the one that says, I'm not good enough, you know, I'm too fat, I'm, I have zero control, I'm a loser, I'm ugly, no one will ever want me, I'm sloppy, I'm terrible at everything. I used to say all those things. I mean, it, and I did it in my quiet moments. I did it when nobody was looking, right? I didn't go out and say, and I, actually, I, that's not true. I slipped a lot, you know? I, I slipped a lot because it, was, it had consumed me, and I had no self-love. and I, So I had to dig myself, out, as I said earlier, out of the grave. So I want you all to take just one minute, and I want you to ask yourself, what does your inner critic say to you? What does your inner critic, again, mine, mine used to say, I'm so fat, I'm ugly, I'm stupid, I never can do it right, I'm too much. And mm -hmm. what I want you to do is just take a minute. And Janine, will you do that too? Yes, um, I am. You know, yes. and just a real concise sentence, you know, just a few words. What are the negative things that you, what is it, you know, the most negative thing that you constantly say to yourself? And again, usually in those quiet moments. And so just take a minute to do that. Okay, now here, here's the point. Whether or not you let your inner critic ruin your life is your choice. And notice I use the word choice. Mm -hmm. 
And as Janine, you said, and I always say, we have a choice on whether to accept our inner critic or learn ways that we can minimize that critical voice and replace it with thoughts that will change those neural pathways that we've created from our negativity to neural pathways of greater self-love. And so what I want everyone to do now is I want you to find a stop word. Years and years ago, I learned a stop word from one of my mentors. You might know her, Deborah Poneman, who mm. I, I stalked all over the world. And I just love Deborah. She's become one of my best friends. And Deborah would always, you know, we'd be walking along or we'd be doing something and she'd, and she'd say a negative and she'd go, cancel. That was Deborah's <laughs> stop word. Now, there are other examples of stop words that when you hear yourself saying a negative, it's a great thing to do because it stops that negative in its tracks. It, you don't let it grow. You don't let it, you know, make a groove in your consciousness. So other stop word examples could be just stop or scram or get out or hell no or cancel, right? And, um, you know, find a word that would work for you. Last night I was uh, talking to someone uh, on an interview. She said her stop word was ridiculous. And I thought that was so good. You know, <laughs> like every time she heard a negative, she'd say ridiculous. So just take, a, just take a few seconds, right? And write down your stop word. Okay. You know, I used to use deflect. Deflect would, you know, if it has power for you, you know, I loved hers because ridiculous. I thought that was so cute. That adds a touch of humor, which is nice. Which is really fun because you know what? It is humorous that we would create that in our consciousness because as we all know, the world is as we are. The world is as we are. And therefore, whatever we're thinking in any moment in time, the, the mind is like a monkey mind and it starts to set up those circumstances, those things that we constantly think about, right? If you, and so if you don't like the movie of your life, what do you have to do? You have to mm. change the negatives into um, something that will be what you really want to create in your life, not what you don't want to create in your life. So mm -hmm. Janine, do me a favor and um, share with me what your negative inner critic was. Um, it was that I'm too judgmental. I, I don't let go of stuff. Okay. Okay. So let's use I'm too judgmental, right? As your first one, right? That's your negative. So what would be, now I want you to find three pieces of real evidence. Did you hear the word real? Real mm -hmm. evidence that you're not. So for instance, if I had written, I'm stupid, I would write my three pieces of evidence would be that I'm not and you have to find those three pieces of evidence. And I promise you guys, if you, if you look and if you go and you don't keep your victim hat on, you'll find three real pieces of evidence that you're not whatever you think you, you have been saying to yourself. So mine, if I, if I wrote I'm stupid, my three pieces would be, no, I'm smart. Because people all over the world listen to me. And then another one went, no, I'm smart. I travel all over the world, business class. No, heck no, man, I'm smart. I, <laughs> I fill big conference rooms, you know? So Janine, right now, I want you to um, give me, you know, I want you to say the opposite. I'm, uh, so what would be the opposite of I'm too judgmental? Uh, forgiving. Yeah, I'm forgiving. Okay. And then so, so I want you to say, no, I'm forgiving and give me one piece of evidence why that's true. What about you is? Uh, I'm forgiving um, 
You know, I'm actually forgiving most of the time. There's just a, there's a couple of instances where I'm so judgmental. So let's see. I'm forgiving. Give me some uh, circumstances like with the boys, with your husband, yeah, with people, you know. That's where I'm judgmental is with the kids. Okay. So give me where you're forgiving. Well, give me where you're forgiving with the kids, actually. Really okay, take a look at let's that. Let's see. I'm forgiving when they unknowingly do something that I feel is, is mm, harmful to me or makes more work for me or makes me irritated. Okay. So, I'm, so actually, you could just cut to the chase. I'm forgiving with the boys some of the time. Right? Some of the time. Yes. Okay, you're right. Okay. Well, give yourself a break, Janine, here. Huh? <laughs> How else are you forgiving? Where else are you forgiving in your life? It really just boom, it comes up. Wow. I I am forgiving. Well, uh, you know, in, in scheduling people for this podcast. Yeah, how about I'm, me, man? You had to chase me all over the world for months, right? And and here I am. You still are there. Right? Okay, so give me one more. Where else are you forgiving? Uh, I'm forgiving of my, my weaknesses. Okay, good. So write this down. Okay. Here okay. I'm forgiving of my boys. And cause that's some of the time I'm forgiving. I'm forgiving scheduling podcasts with others, right? <laughs> really write it down. Yeah, I am. And I'm forgiving. What was your last one? My inadequacies or, you know, my... Okay, I'm forgiving of myself, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so write that down. All right, now, I'm going to say your stop word. I'm going to... No, excuse me. I'm going to say... Um, <clears throat> I'm too judgmental. Then I want you to be you. I'm going to be you when I say I'm too judgmental. But I want you to say your stop word, and then I want you to say your evidence. And then I'm going to say I'm too judgmental, and I want you to say your other piece of evidence, right? We're going to get this juice going because I found I can tell by just listening to Janine your work really truly is to change your neural pathways about feeling that you're you're too judgmental because yeah. you know there's a there's a um a real charge on that for you and therefore it's in your it's it's a groove in you and therefore whatever you're thinking when you're thinking that the universe is going to set things up and show you by people, places, or things. Yep, you're right. You are one judgmental being. So I want to, I want to help change that with you. So here we go. Okay. So I'm you. I'm too judgmental. Deflect. Um, but I'm forgiving of the boys. Yeah. Drop, bad. drop the butt. I'm forgiving. Oh, okay. Just put I'm forgiving uh, okay. of the boys, Jenny. Okay. Give yourself a break. Okay. Okay. Do you okay. see this one? This yeah. is really good for you. Let's try it again. We got to try that one again because that's your that's where your real charge is. Okay. okay I'm I am too judgmental. Deflect. I'm forgiving of the boys. I'm too judgmental. Deflect. I'm forgiving of the boys. Oh, was I supposed to go to the next one? Yeah, go to the next one. Oh, okay. Um I'm very flexible in scheduling my my podcast guest. Yeah, I'm too judgmental. I'm forgiving of myself. Beautiful. I think though, Janine, your word deflect doesn't really give you the power you need. Because mm -hmm. you know, you know, like when when you hear the word cancel, right? It's in yeah. it's in how you feel inside of yourself. Deflect felt a little like soft. So right. No, cancel's got a lot better. It's more energetic. Yeah, it's, so yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, that or how about hell no? You know, hell, hell no, no. Yeah. man, I am not. But this is a, you know, and, and what I want you to do is I want you to now to find a self-love mantra. You know, mantras are words that have very powerful meanings. And mm -hmm. for, you, for everyone listening, you know, find your self-love mantra that you can repeat during the day to change your neural pathways about how you feel about yourself. Janine, your self-love mantra in terms of flexibility, you know, writing something out that would, that you could say within yourself, huh? Mm, mm-hmm. So and I, to do that. I was originally I was originally thinking just something like um, I'm every day I'm doing my best. That's beautiful. It, that is so beautiful, and that that's your self love mantra. And what's so beautiful about this self love mantra of every day I'm doing my best is that it's easy. You know, you guys, this isn't rocket science, but it is what we do to ourselves. You know, maybe mm. some of you are sitting there thinking, oh my God, I know all this. But yeah, I know. And if you're sitting there saying, I know all this and you're not doing this, then do it. And do it because it absolutely 100% works. It mm -hmm. works. You know, one of, years back, Janine, I was interviewing a guy named Master Stephen Coe. He's the world's most renowned pranic healer, energy healer. And I said, Master Coe, if there's anything that you would change from what you're doing, you know, from your life. Is there any, anything at all that you change? And he said, Janet, if I had known the power of my thoughts and how it affected the creation of my life in terms of my relationships, my, my abundance, my career, my money, my this, my that, I would never think a negative thought again. And, and so this is, this is like, yeah, this is kindergarten. We have to go back to kindergarten. Self-love really, you know, who are we? Who are we really? All of us came into this world. We, you know, we, we were like these little love childs. That was our very first beginning. And then, you know, and, and I, I know I did. I was like, I'm out of the womb and I'm, yeah, let's go. And then, <laughs> right? And then as I shared with you, um, mm -hmm. life happened. And so what, what self-love is, is actually opening the doorway of replacing some old core beliefs and damaging habits with new beliefs and life affirming new habits. This is just a way you can do it. And when, for all of us, you know, when we make self-love a practice, what we're doing is we're actually developing new neural pathways in our brain that will support our experience of more and more unconditional love. So it's this cool, you know, self-perpetuating cycle. And the, the more we create these habits, the easier it becomes for you to experience greater self-love. This is all about remembering. This is about remembering. We already know this, but what has happened, as I was sharing, we started layering from this stressful stuff that happened to us, all these veils on ourselves to cover up that tender, that tender little place in us because it was just too tender. And then we separated ourselves. So it's about remembering and going back to the kindergarten of self-love. And for all of you listening, you know, self-love is, is first and foremost, it's about being okay with where you previously weren't okay. Janine, it's about being okay with doing your very best with your boys right now, knowing that 
how do you know you, you did your best to this point? Because this is what you've done. This is your best and right up until now. And it's not about changing or fixing or morphing yourself until the image you have in your mind of who you think you should be finally becomes a present you. It's truly an acceptance of who you are and how you are right now in this moment, in this present moment. And it's not about realizing that, you know, it's about, actually, it's, it's not about realizing that you need to change. It's about realizing that you're enough, just mm -hmm. as you are, all of us, you know, you're enough, just as you are. So this is one little practice. And um, I have one more little thing, if that's okay, Janine, that I'd like to share Great. with others. Oh, of course. Yeah. And, and this is such a free, wonderful. it's such a freebie. Um, you know, I go to Japan a lot. And when I first went there four years ago, my first student that became a passion test facilitator, he actually did it. He flew from Japan. He looked me up online, or he actually looked up the word passion online. And after he filtered through all the sex stuff, he found the passion <laughs> test, right? And um, this little guy named Toyokazu, he flew to Vancouver, where I was actually giving a certification <laughs> in Vancouver. When I met Toyo, he wanted to bring me to Japan, which he did, to do a big program. And um, he introduced me to his mentor. And as we were having dinner, his mentor's name is Ken Honda. Ken Honda's like the Tony Robbins of Japan. He's like written ah. 100 books. So when you say I've written 10, I say, yeah, Ken's written 100, but he's comparing. <laughs> but anyway, when we were having dinner, Ken is telling me about this guy named Wahei Takeda, who was his mentor. And he said, Wahei has this program called Morrow Up. He's one of, Wahe is one of the largest small investors in Japan, like seriously wealthy guy, and really, really super successful. And he said, Wahe created this program called Morrow Up. And Morrow Up just simply means to see the good in all things. And Ken told me Wahe had cured himself of two diseases by just one of the, one of the practices of Morrow Up was to be in gratitude. And Wahe said he would be in gratitude on a regular basis for many months, a thousand times a day. And he wow. found that just being thankful, just the mere act of, thank you God, I'm looking around my room not right now, Janine, thank you God for my computer, thank you God for my legs, thank you God for my, my beautiful body that takes me all over the world. Thank you for these beautiful Buddhas and paintings in the room. Thank you so much that I'm looking out my window to the ocean. Thank you. Thank you so much for a bed that I can comfortably sleep in. So it's just about being thankful from wherever you are right now. And maybe if you're on this call listening to this podcast and you're in bed and you, you don't get out, you're not wanting to get out of bed because your life so sucks, then from your bed, I want you to start looking around. And if, and if all you can say is thank you that I am breathing. Thank you that I am breathing. Thank you that my, my legs can carry me to the bathroom if they can. You know, the simplest things. This will dig you out. This will dig you out. And it'll raise you up to a place where you can start to see that life is really a benevolent universe. And that's one of the things that Wahe teaches. So for all of you listening, you know, it's free. You don't have to pay anybody for this. It's morrow up, morrowing up your life, arigato, which means thank you mm -hmm. in Japanese. You. Yeah, arigato. And just to take time in your day to raise yourself up to a place 
where you can actually see the reality of what is really going on. And that is what you can do when you make it a habit of saying thank you. And Janine, I'm always in practice of this because what I've realized is that when I'm saying thank you and I'm really consciously doing it, not just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, but really mm -hmm. consciously thank you for my legs that are carrying me all over the world. Thank you for that. I notice that all of a sudden, if I'm stuck, and I've done this a lot, and don't think that because someone's a transformational leader, everything's always perfect or groovy. <laughs> Guys listening, it's not. I want you to know, it's not. There are moments, because we're in a relative world, and, and stuff happens, and the difference between someone who's really using the tools and someone who's not is the reason why they're they're happy is because they're they're using what they know works it's not that stuff doesn't happen it's how they're handling it it's that that's mm -hmm. that's what makes mm -hmm. the difference right so, so this is a great little practice that you know i met wahe he was 84 when he left the body he was one of the happiest guys i have ever met janine and i'm mm -hmm. telling you he was just out of the box thinker he, on his birthday every february i think it was fourth or third or fourth he would give a little every little kid that was born on his birthday a gold coin with about uh almost a thousand dollars every oh little goodness. kid on his birthday who lived in japan i said why <laughs> why do you do that and he said when a little kid has a little piece of gold they feel important and every child should be important and he has a candy factory and at his candy factory i mean this guy is so visionary his candy factory the factory workers while they're making this little candy called arigato candy by the way they're listening to children <laughs> singing arigato arigato and i said why hey why do you have the workers listening to these kids singing you know Thank you, thank you, thank you. He says, because that energy creates happiness in the workers and they're handling the food. It goes into the food and therefore when people eat the food, they become happier because everything is energy. Mm. So there you have it. A, a, you know, two, two what I think are very cool self-love practices that are easy to do and absolutely work 100%. Mm-hmm. Well, wow, thank you so much for that. And and you're you're bringing things back to me. When you know, when I had Ravenwood, my aromatherapy company, we always we were just small and we made all of our own products by hand and and I always, you know, it was so important the energy that we put into everything. That was that was one of my things. And so many customers would call us and say they could feel it even before they opened the box. You know, yeah. um, it's been years since I thought of that. I remember somebody said uh, a box was dropped off at a neighbor's because they weren't home. It was for their store. And the neighbor, and, and she said it was this elderly man who wasn't, you know, into quote unquote energy or, you know, anything like that. And he said he could just felt all of this love emanating from this box. <laughs> that was sitting in his apartment waiting for her to pick up. <laughs> I just, oh, wow, I hadn't thought of that in a long time. Isn't that a good one? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. You know, there's one thing you said earlier, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget, your victim hat. I, I love that, that idea of a victim hat. And it made me think, you know, every time we have a, a, a thought of, something happening to us, something happening from outside of ourselves. Remember, oh, I better take my victim hat off. 
Yeah, good one, huh? So, mm-hmm. and, and, and actually start it with yourself, to yourself. Um, take your victim hat off so that you can see the real truth of who you are. And, mm-hmm. and really, it, it, it does start with ourself because the world is as you are. And I meet no one but me. Everyone is just a reflection mm-hmm. of who we're being in any given moment. So we have to start being kind to ourselves. Kind to ourselves because as we treat us, as we treat ourselves, our beautiful, beautiful heart, we treat others. And so that's the good news. You know, you don't have to go fix everybody else. You don't have to try to change the rest of the world. How you change the rest of the world is by transforming you from the inside out. And yogis and masters knew this. And the difference between an enlightened being and an unenlightened being was that they understood that everything was as it should be, no mistake, and that they walked through this world or walked through this world with evenness with equanimity not grumbling about whether the weather is sunny or it's rainy or it's this or that they had this knowingness that everything is as it should be and when you really are falling in love with you that's a sign you know there there are so many symptoms and one of them is that you know you're you're okay you feel okay with everyone you feel okay with you you feel okay with everyone you start to understand that everything's as it should be you know you start to realize that every moment is a gift and there are no mistakes in the universe you start to see that your relationships are working for you and that you're no longer hanging out with people that aren't your cheering squad you start to notice that, oh my God, more abundance is coming into my life. And that's because there's, you know, there's this beautiful saying, Janine, in the Upanishads, from abundance comes abundance and abundance remains. From mm. abundance comes abundance and abundance remains. And Wahei Takeda knew this, this great mentor of mine from Japan. He knew this and that's why he knew if he kept his awareness on lack and limitation, and, and all the things he wasn't in gratitude for, then he would create more lack and limitation. And he knew that if he kept his, his awareness on abundance, then more, and what he was grateful for, then more abundance would come into his world. He actually said that, I was listening to one of my interviews with him the other day, because I was speaking at his memorial, um, his, his first year memorial in Japan about two weeks ago. I was listening to the videos to prepare for my talk, and he said that one of the problems that were, was going on in the world and why we're having this deficit financially is because we're keeping our attention on what, physical wealth. And what all of us need to do in order to be truly happy, and this was the secret of being truly happy, was to be able to shift our thinking and start to ask ourselves, how can I serve? And we have to start asking ourselves, how can I serve me? How can I be kinder to me? How can I be more gentle to me? How can I ease off me? Because again, as you treat you, we treat everyone. Mm -hmm. Those are wise words. And it sounds like, I think, and and tell me if I'm not hearing you correctly, that it, it's getting more to a place of neutrality. As well, opposed, this is bad and this is good. And well, yeah, you know. yeah, because when you're clear, you know that, every, as Byron Katie says, when I'm clear, 
what is is what I want. And again, mm -hmm. Byron Katie has that wonderful process called the work, work the work to yes, undo limiting yes. beliefs, another practice of self-love. When I'm clear, when I'm clear, what is is what I want. So what we're doing with these veils that we put on ourselves, it's like, it's as if there's the sun. The sun is always shining the same everywhere. But all of a sudden clouds come and the clouds are blocking the sun. And we think, oh my God, the sun, the sun is gone, the sun is gone. But no, the sun wasn't gone. We know this when the clouds start to part. There's the same sun. It was always there. And so when we were brought into this world, we were and are the sun. And yet when, when all of these things happened to us that caused all this undue stress on our physiology, then it was as if the clouds came. And we're seeing the you know, the world as, as you are, knowledge is structured in consciousness. Knowledge is structured in consciousness. This is a great saying from, from Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, who I learned Transcendental Meditation from over, gosh, what, 45 years ago. And I think so, that's when I did it, too. Yeah. So, you know, you, you only have as much consciousness as you're able to see the world, right, from, as the stress that you have in your physiology. So... All of us need to, to bring into our life all of these different practices of self-love. Meditation is a fantastic practice of self-love because what is meditation? It's just a way that each one of us can get a deeper level of rest. And science has found that the, the rest gain in meditation is deeper than the uh, state of than the rest gain in deep sleep. And what happens in that type of rest that you get from meditation is that stress from your life, stress from getting in a car accident, having a neuro, you know, having, um, being in a war, getting a divorce, whatever, then this rest is so profound that it starts undoing the stress that we've gained in our physiology. And then we start to perceive the world differently as stress leaves us a little bit of more consciousness, a little bit of more of our consciousness are we utilizing. You know, we heard that, that Einstein said we're only using, what, 3% of our, of our consciousness. All of us have the ability, like any enlightened, what is enlightenment? Enlightenment just implies the ability to, to act without making mistakes. How do you act without making mistakes? Enlightenment is just an individual who has no more stress in their physiology. And when they become enlightened, when they become awakened, awakened there is that equanimity, Janine, that we're talking about. They're as if they're in a flow, like in the river, just totally flowing. They become a tool in the hands of God or nature or higher power. And then their whole world changes to, I am of service because when you are really coming from a state of flow, from abundance comes abundance, all you want to do because you have everything is to serve others, be in service to others. And so this is open to all of us and it's, and it's about saying right now, right now, what do I need in my life? What are the different tools, techniques? Find, a, find yourself a mentor for God's sakes, you guys. You know, someone who, when you're with them, you can feel that who they're being is truly, their inner is matching their outer. 
And when you can find someone like that, then latch onto them and don't let them go. Don't let them go. And hang with them and hang with them so that you can learn all that they know so that you can start to transform your life as well. Mm -hmm. So you're really saying someone who walks their talk. Right. That's it. In a very yeah. simplistic way. Yep. That's because it. Because so many, I mean, so many people have the talk, but you know, when you look at how that's out projecting in their life, it's not. It's not just walking their talk though. It's about being there. It's, it's their whole being is speaking to you and mm -hmm. saying, I am transparent. I am congruent. Mm -hmm. I am a teacher living the teaching. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And I really, well, I guess I wouldn't call it a definition, but how meditation affects our, our body mind. I really hadn't, I don't think I've ever heard it quite stated that way. And I really, really like what you said. And so for those who are listening and have their, their phone or whatever they're listening on right now, go back a little bit and listen to that again. I think that was very important. Yeah. You know, I, I'm so glad you pointed that out because most people think you know, oh, I had a bad meditation today. If you're doing a practice where you transcend, and what that means is transcend, go beyond the thinking process. There are many meditation practices out there that don't transcend. Zen, um, mindfulness, they're great, they're wonderful, but they're keeping the mind on the surface level. And what you want to do is you want to transcend, you want to go beyond the, the thinking process so that you can start to gain such a profound state of rest. It's that rest that science has found that re releases that deep-rooted stress. And I know there's been research from Harvard, Stanford, Yale, all of the big universities that found that with just 20 minutes of meditation, um, where you transcend, an individual feels more calm, more connected to self. And it, this, so meditation really, truly, true meditation isn't about oh boy, I had a really good meditation, felt really good. No, it's about how are you feeling afterwards? Do you feel more open? Do you feel more loving? Are you feeling more gratitude, just more connected with self? This is really, truly, you don't meditate for the sake of meditation, but for the effect that meditation will give you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't get, don't get lost into that, you know, oh, well, uh, you know, I don't know, I can't meditate because it doesn't feel good. Well, if you're, if you're transcending and it doesn't feel good, it usually doesn't feel good because you're releasing a lot of stress. You know, in a sense, it takes a thorn to remove a thorn. So don't give it up because you're not having that sweet, um, juicy feeling during that 20 minutes. But notice what is going on in your daily life. Are, are you feeling more love for others and are others feeling more love towards you because that's who you're being it's really important and i, I really feel like transcendental meditation it's such a great program because it's taught in these easy steps so if any of you guys are interested you could go to tmt.m.org and find out all about it you know hear an introductory lecture and Find out, you know, what does meditation do in terms of your physiology, your world peace, your personal relationships? How does it affect your life in general? And then hear a preparatory lecture that talks about the mechanics of the technique and how does it act actually work? So there you have it, my little talk on meditation, because Janine, I feel if I 
only was given one thing. If, if the general manager of the universe said, hey, Janet, you can only keep one practice of self-love mm -hmm. that you've okay. learned, I would absolutely keep my meditation practice. It would be the number one thing. Number one. Interesting. And you know, I, I have to, I'm going to be totally transparent here and say that um, I learned TM in the 70s. And I did it for many, 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 many years. And I stopped. Um, and I haven't been meditating for a while. And, and just lately, I've been thinking, I really, really need to start up again. Oh, so you're the reason I went on this rampage, right? <laughs> I, I'm telling you, you know, there's no mistakes in the universe, right? And, um, and you know, you can go to any PM center all over the world and have your meditation checked. And usually we stop doing it because remember, I, I, I wonder if you remember this when you were learning, there's the busy businessman syndrome. What happens is you learn to meditate, you start feeling so good, you have more energy. So then you take on more activity. And the next thing you know, you have more energy and you take on more activity. And the next thing you know, you're, you're using more energy than you have. And all of a sudden you have more activity than your day. And so what do you take out? Your meditation practice. Meditation. Busted, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there isn't any time. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about uh, meditating and sleep. Do you have a deeper, more restful sleep when, when you're, you know, at night, not when you're meditating, but at night, or do you need less sleep? Well, it depends, you know, I mean, really, uh, absolutely every single physiology is different. So it de depends on the state of someone's nervous system. Mm -hmm. And I know that there have been a, a lot of research that has shown that people have better sleep when they learn how to meditate. Of course they do. Because why? Because they're getting rid of stress and stress is what keeps us up at night. And mm -hmm. when you're clear, when you're clear, you're able to figure out the challenges that you have and find the answers to those challenges. It's only when you're stressed that, you know, you can't think the mind doesn't think when it's stressed. So, mm. you know, I, I would say, absolutely. Think about this. You wouldn't fill up your car and drive all over the world without getting a tune up every once in a while. But what do we do with our physiology? We drive it and we drive it and we drive it. And you know, David Lynch, who is the Emmy award-winning director, producer, mm -hmm. he has a whole program because he's been meditating over 40 years now too, of transcendental meditation, going and training vets. And what they've reported and they've had research done is from the very first meditation, their PTSD is lessened uh, significantly or reduced remarkably. And um, some have even shown that it's completely gone away by the first meditation. So this just shows you the power of meditation. And, and really, I think of my meditation practice, those are my working hours. Those are my real true working hours. You, you see, mm. we've all been brought up to to live in this world where we think sight, sound, touch, this phenomenal universe is, is what's going on. But no, we haven't been taught to take our awareness and direct it from within. And that's what meditation, transcendental meditation, effortlessly does. It, it curves your awareness within. There's this great saying in the Vedas, curving back on myself, I create again and again. Curving mm. back on myself, I create again and again. And what that simply mm. means is that 
the world exists within us all. All of us have, and science has proven this, talking about the unified field, that the unified field lives within each and every human being. And within the unified field is the universe, that when you're an awakened being, you don't need to go to a library to know knowledge. All you have to do is tap into that reservoir of unbounded intelligence that is within all of us and so again it's a choice where are we putting our attention our powerful mm -hmm. attention on our life and what are we choosing for our life every day and it's just a choice guys it, all you have to do is start choosing differently if you want to live in an abundant universe it is there it is there for your choosing mm -hmm. i was wondering about how tm can be, I would assume it could be useful with people who are trying to overcome addiction. So wait, say that again. Well, it, for people who are, are struggling with addiction, whether it's alcohol or drugs or gambling or whatever, how useful TM would be in helping to overcome addiction. Well, you're talking to the little LSD addict from the past. And um, actually it's an incredible story how it happened for me. I used to I used to actually live with one of the, this group of biggest drug dealers in the Bay Area in the 70s. And mm -hmm. I became a major LSD addict. One day I called my brother up because my boyfriend had said, he, you know, I, I, I said in one day just really flippantly, well, you know, I don't, I don't know, Walt, what do you think? And, he go, and, 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 I, and then I said, well, what, let's see, what do I think? And he, he looked at me and he goes, you don't think, you don't even have a mind it hit kaboom and it hurt so much and it hurt because that's what i was telling myself as well i had taken so many tabs of lsd that i felt like you know i i didn't really i wasn't able able to really hold a thought for two seconds it it, it would escape me and um, wow. i ran i ran downstairs called my brother up who was living about nine hours away in Dana Point, California. I was in, I was actually in Northern California at the time. And I, and I was crying and I said, Johnny, you know, Walt said that I don't have a mind. It's right. He's true. I, I'm so unhappy. I'm such a loser. I'm blah, 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 blah. You know, that is where all my little stress had taken me. And he said, mm -hmm. Jenny, I just learned something. I learned something so great. I think you'd really like it. And he said, just don't worry, honey, just don't worry. And Janine, it was so cool. Four days later, I'm in my apartment. I'm still deeply depressed and feeling like, God, I'm just, you know, I might as well just end this because I'm, I'm no one, I'm nothing. And a knock at my door, I open the door and there's my brother, John. And he packed all of his stuff up, put it in the back of his Volvo, drove nine hours up and said, come on, Janet, we're going to go live together until you're okay. And Aww. we moved. I know it was, I know every time I, I talk about it, it makes me want to cry. So we got in his little Volvo and we drove down to Santa Barbara. We decided to live in, live in Santa Barbara. And, and when we're driving, he said, Janet, I learned this really great meditation called Transcendental Meditation. I think you'd really like it. That was what happened to me, Janine. I was strung out on drugs and um, I learned TM. And I got to tell everybody, and this makes me want to cry. I'm so emotional for some reason right now. Because mm -hmm. from that experience and that moment and choosing to learn how to meditate, that was the beginning of my whole world changing in that moment 
of my very first meditation practice. And I can't, if you're listening and you feel like nothing's working, then you just got to stick with it. I stuck with it and, and I just, I did. And man, I, I, it wasn't like I sat there and loved it. Sometimes it was, it was not so much fun because I had so much stress. And when you have a lot of stress and you're meditating, sometimes it comes out in the form. It's different, th it's different thoughts. It has a different meaning to it. And, you know, you want to get up and just go, no, this isn't worth it. But I kept with it. And I got to tell you, the clouds parted. And I came back to myself. Mm. And so, you know, it's there. It's there for all of you. And um, that was my story. So, yeah, it um, works. If, you, if you're strung out and you need something. That was um, LSD. So there are other types of drugs, though, like methadrine. I, you might need a little help with some of those drugs that like so speed you up that you're out of your body and you can't get in your body at all. You need also someone there to, a mental health expert to hold your hand a little bit more mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it's in the physiology. It's so in the physiology. But I tell you, you know, if it works for PTSD victims from the very first meditation, it can work for anyone. And, mm -hmm. and I mean, absolutely anyone. Oh, that's awesome. I'm glad we talked about TM. That's, that's great. I wasn't planning on that. Thank you. Yeah, me so, neither. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it, it can go in many dire different directions. This has been just so awesome. Oh. How can people connect with you? I will put information on the website, but I always like to have my guests, you know, tell us your, your website or, or whatever. How would, how would people um, learn more about you and connect with you? Yeah, they can go to www.thepassiontest.com and I'm all over it. And you can find my programs under programs and the different places where I am. And again, I, I shared in the very beginning, I have a new program called The Mastery of Self-Love where it's a certification program. First and foremost, it's about you, know, you really learning how to love you and then sharing it with others. And the purpose of sharing it with others is because the teacher always gains the most. And I got to tell you, Janine, since I've been doing this self-love stuff, my, I, I mean, it's, it's like I was on a jet plane before, but now I'm on a rocket ship, you know, <laughs> with all the different rituals that I do in my day and, you know, meditation and gratitude and just noticing when I'm negative and shifting my limiting beliefs and all of these different tools. Uh, it's just such a beautiful world and it's such a benevolent, lovely world. Mm. You're seeing it through a lens that, that many people aren't able to access yet because they're seeing all of the negative and, and, yeah. and yeah. not seeing what's good because there's a lot of good out there. Um, one thing before we end, because I, I, my original thought was that we were going to talk about the passion test and it's fine that we didn't. I love everything <laughs> we talked about, but if you could just tell people a little bit about what the passion test is and how they can benefit from it. I think that would be good. Well, if you want more clarity in your life, guys, this is the process. It's a passion test is the number one tool that's being used all over the world to help you gain a very clear vision of what it is that you choose to create in your life and not just in the area of your career but health education spirituality your fun time and get it's one exercise after the other after the other after the other that 
we take you through so that you can absolutely create this Monet or you know beautiful painting, whoever your favorite painter is, within mm -hmm. your mind's eye. It's as if you can see your beautiful world as a beautiful painting within yourself. And when it gets really super clear, crystal clear, then you start to magnetize the people, the places, and the things that you choose to create in your life. So the Passion Test is all about these beautiful, wonderful, fun, because I love to have fun, exercises to help you have a greater level of clarity about all the different areas of your life than you've had before. Mm-hmm. And you can do it online, right? You don't have to go. Yeah, somewhere. yeah, absolutely. You can you can take the passion test uh, programs online. You can go to a seminar. We have now three thousand passion test facilitators all over the world. Oh and, my goodness! Um, yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah, in sixty-four yeah. countries. So I'm really excited. Wow! Just growing and growing and growing, and that's why little poor poor little Janet has to go business class to these, <laughs> you know really awful locations like Thailand and Denmark and I'm just playing with you. <laughs> I know you are. I know you are. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. That's great. I think this is just going to be so inspiring for so many people. I really, really appreciate your taking the time and I've had a lot of people that I've had to reschedule many, many, many times, but you you might be at the top of the list of I know. To... <laughs> I'm like a moving target. I've been a I've been a, I've been a moving target. You know that I have been traveling right now. I, I was in Denmark and from Denmark I've been traveling for the last two months. And wow. I I've been doing my nine day master trainer programs. Those are the programs where People come and they actually live with me for nine days. And Janine, I am so focused when I'm doing those. I can't separate myself from that. I am 100%. And it's very small programs. It's 12 people, mm -hmm. super deep immersion. And they have all of me. And truly, that's what's been going on for these last, this last period. Yeah, I want to thank you for being so persistent. Wow, great quality. Great quality. <laughs> I have to ask you, is there anything besides meditating? Where do you get the energy to do this? Seriously. I, I really, truly, honestly will tell you that when you're living your dharma, dharma, it comes from uh, India. It's a word that says that when you're in alignment with what your purpose is here on this planet, then you get energy from the universe to support you because you're doing your dharma. You're doing exactly what you're here to do. You know, all of us have a gift and all of us have mm -hmm. a dharma to live. And it, imagine that if everyone listening to this podcast was the world and we are all living our gift we are all going out and we are giving our gift to others no matter what it is maybe it's planting gardens and and growing organic food right mm -hmm. or maybe it's uh you know being a musician if all of us were doing our dharma living our dharma we would be so fulfilled and so happy and there would be massive energy and energy for all and that is really, and I get asked that because I'm not a youngster anymore. And um, I, I get asked that from my students because they can't, they can't keep up with me. And I said, it, it really, truly just is living your gift, doing what you're all here to do. And, you know, it's not personal. The general manager, when you can line up your gift 
with that energy that is greater than yourself. That energy that is greater than yourself. All of us have marching orders. And what, what is the passion test really? <laughs> it's just a way for all of us to start listening to those marching orders that the universe is trying to give to us. And, and what the passion test does, it helps us to be able to listen better, to see better, to feel more, to really have the courage to say yes to the things that matter most to you. And, and here's the last thing, the universe doesn't play tricks. It's not a mistake that you love what you love. And that is what the passion test aligns you with. Awesome. Wow. That was a great wrap up. Thank you. Yay. You're welcome. <laughs> Oh, this has been so wonderful. Thank you so much, my dear. I You're really welcome. Enjoyed it. And yeah, just thanks a lot. Love to you. Love to you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Janet Bray Atwood. And I want to thank Janet for generously giving her time and sharing her story and inspiring insights to us. Do you have one or two friends who would benefit from this conversation? Please share the love. It's my joy to be able to have interesting conversations with people who have information and perspectives that can enrich our lives, and your help in getting the word out is greatly appreciated. You can subscribe to Keeping It Real with Janine on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. Do you have a minute to leave a rating and a short review? That would be awesome. And the podcast website is realjanine.com, and that's J-A-N-E-A-N. And there you can listen, you can download, we have all the show notes, you can leave comments, and um, it would be awesome if you would sign up for the email list. I only send out twice a month, and it's kind of like a little blog, and also uh, links to uh, podcast episodes, and I always put in a yummy recipe. So thank you so much, take care, and be well.